scripture memory verse tonight, Luke 19.32. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he said, just the way he said to them. I think I bungled that. Luke 19.32. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. Anybody else? So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. Luke 19.32. Good job. It's a little twisty. It is. I want to say just as he said it was. I did say that just now. Because that's the way we talk in our language today. Anybody else want to try? Luke. 1932 so those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them Luke 1932 good job anybody else Luke 1932 so then uh, I lost <laughs> so those I keep gone. so those who were sent go ahead so those who were sent went their way and found that it was the same as they said to them. Not that he said to them. Close. <laughs> Just as he had said to them. Good try. You're, that was real close. We'll give you another shot next year. <laughs> that was Paralita versus. Anybody else want to try it? You want to try it again in a minute, Rita? No. You can if you want. It's, this is where we're learning to let Scripture come out of our mouth. It's not about being perfect, but it's about learning to perfect what we're doing. And and God wants to teach us Scripture, so we need to learn it. Okay? Anybody else want to try? Read it? Do anything? Good job. Word for word. Excuse me. Anybody else? Luke 19.32 So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. Luke 19.32 Good job, John. Anybody else? You want to try it again? I'm here for a different reason than the text. Okay? I pulled this out of the middle of this text. We're going to talk about the text, but I pulled this out purposefully to show that it's always going to be this way. This is not a one-time thing. I want us to see the verse in the context of standing alone. I want you to see it. We're going to look at the text, but I want to try to do, if I can, a topical about this because we've all been sent okay God is sending us we're ambassadors as if Christ was pleading through us be reconciled to God and he sends us all of us have been given a, a command all authority Matthew 28 18 to uh, 20 all power has been given to me on heaven and earth go therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I commanded you and lo I'm with you always even to the end of the age I purposely quoted it in King James because it's different it says go and make disciples but we're supposed to go and teach teach them what the word of God says teach them what the authority of God is so we've all been sent to go do this but what we have to find out is our part in the body. What's our gifts? What's our talents? What's our abilities? 
Where has God sent us? Where has he planted us at? Where are we supposed to be? These are things that are not supposed to be, oh, I'm just going to bounce around and come underneath some authority and do what I want. And if I don't like what they're doing, I'm going to bounce over here and then I'll bounce over there. But we're supposed to be part of a body. And you're supposed to sit still and learn and grow and help others and be part of the one another ministry, which means to reduplicate or to double. So you're making a disciple as you love on people and you help them in what they're doing. So there's a lot going on in the body of Christ today that we don't see this going on. We don't see the ministry of reconciliation going on. We see programs. We see a lot of things where people are mimicking what other churches are doing. But the church building is not the bill is not the church, you know. And we need to understand that we've lost our way and we are apostate. We are the church. You and I are the church. The church is the ecclesia, the called out ones. We're not supposed to be living in the world. That's why we've been where we've been in the last few weeks with scripture memory verse, not being entangled not being deceived, not being spoiled. We've been looking at scriptures that are supposed to be designed to wake us up and to understand that not just did God call us out as the church, but now we're betrothed to him and he's sending us with power, with authority, with direction. And, and, and you know, when, when you look in uh, the book of Ephesians, uh, I lost the verse, it's four Ephesians 4, when he says, awake from your sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. And then he says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools like we used to walk, but as wise, redeeming the time, for the days are evil. But then he says, finding out what the will of the Lord is. Now we know his general wills that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. We know the general will of God, but what is the will of God for your life? And we know that it is your sanctification. But your sanctification involves finding out what he's called you to do. What are your gifts? How do you minister to the rest of the body? What are you supposed to be doing? Where was you sent? And usually wherever you're at, that's where you're sent to. Unless God changes all the characters. And, and, and you stay under that. And you learn endurance through that. And you don't run from that. i got so many people that I know. They say, well, this is my eighth job. Because every time I go work for Christians. Or I go work for these people. Then it's so terrible there. And I just have to leave because I can't put up with it. No, God's dealing with you. And you're running from God. You're the one that's dealing with the situation wrong. Not them. God's wanting you to be faithful. Because he sent you. Now this happens to be. This day, this text is about the 10th of Nisan. It's, it's the triumphal entry. And see, when God makes a triumphal entry in your life, then he sends you and he wants you to go, right? And when you go, you will find that everything he shared with you is just like he said it was going to be. And it's pretty amazing when you watch this text that he tells them to go get this donkey, get this colt, and, and, and when you look in, in, in Matthew, and, and I think it's uh, um, Mark, there's different details because of different audiences. And that's why sometimes you can listen to, to, the same per, to, to different people teach the same text, and you'll get a different sermon out of that text. Because God wants to speak different ways using who you are. When he sends you, you don't go acting like you're somebody else. You go letting the Holy Spirit use your attributes, your gifts, your talents, your abilities, what you know to share the gospel with them. But you go in faith, trusting God that he has sent you, and you do what he says for you to do. And, and in fact, you're learning to do that. We were just talking before the Bible study, and somebody said, well, how come I can't? How come? Well, because we're babes first. We're supposed to desire the pure milk of the word. You're supposed to learn this first. You're growing first, and you're learning. And people around you are supposed to help you learn to walk, help you learn to memorize Scripture, help you learn to do these things that grow you up in the most holy of faith and bring you to maturity. But we're not supposed to stay babies just desiring the milk of the Word all of our Christian life. When somebody's been in the church for 30 years, even 10 years, they should not stay a baby. They should not still be in diapers. They should not still be drinking milk. 
They should be getting alone with God and spending time and find out what the Spirit would say to the church. And what did you call me for? And what are you sending me to? Am I spoiled by the world? Am I being deceived? Am I entangled? Or am I following you, Lord? Am I doing what this verse says? Am I going and finding out what the Lord said and seeing that it's just like he said? Because that's the only way your faith is going to grow when you go. And we should always be on the grow. You should always be going and telling others the gospel. So this is the tent in the psalm, I believe. And it says here, and we'll just look at verse 28. It's 1928. Um, it was a good year, actually. <laughs> Terrible joke. Just keep going. So here it's Jesus. When he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. Um, and you always notice in the scriptures that you always go up to Jerusalem. Even if you're at a higher place, Jerusalem was the holy city, and you would always go up. And it actually means he ascended. The King James actually said ascending, ascending up to Jerusalem. And it's the word for his ascending into heaven. And there's probably a much deeper uh, uh, message that could be here spiritually, but I want to stay on topic of the point that I want is that we need to find out our identity. We need to find out where God is sending us and where he's planting us at. And when a seed falls to the ground and dies, it bears fruit. It grows up. And so we're supposed to be maturing and growing. So I want to try to be uh, pretty intentional with what I'm saying. And we're going to come back to that point here in a minute. So he goes on, verse 28, up to Jerusalem, ascending up to Jerusalem. He's went ahead of us. And, and listen to me. God's not going to send you anywhere that he doesn't go ahead of you. The Holy Spirit always goes before you. Well, why? How can you prove that? Because we're always following. We're never supposed to be out in front of God. So wherever we're going, he has sent us, but he's already went before us and prepared hearts, prepared lives, prepared people. And you're going to see that in the text, that these people are already prepared. They already know. They're going to ask the question, why are you loosening the coal? And, and he's going to say, because the Lord has need of him. And they're going to go, oh, okay. Because they're already prepared to give to the Lord. It doesn't mean that God's had a conversation with them. It doesn't mean that God said any, anything to them. It doesn't mean that, that Jesus had, had a previous, because a lot of people will say that. Oh, well, he must have previously set this up. No, they just were people that he knew were going to give to the Lord if, if he said that to them. That he knew their hearts. That if he said that, that the Lord has need of them, that they would let it go. And see, we need to find out if there's things in our lives that if the Lord has need of them, will you let it go? Or will you hang on to it and go, mine, 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 like a little child? Mine, mine, mine. Or would you let it go if, it's, if, if God says, I have need of them? That's mine. Will you release it? Will you trust the Lord if somebody was to say that to you? Now, I think we need to be careful. I see people all the time saying, well, the Lord said, and the Lord told me, and, and you see these video clips and thumbnails all the time where the Lord shared this with me. Just be careful when people are saying that, okay? Just be careful. They're just trying to get suck you in. I'm not saying the Lord doesn't speak, and I'm not saying the Lord doesn't give uh, Scripture revelation that tells us a much deeper meaning, but be careful when people are saying that. What's their motive behind it? And why would the God just tell them that and not tell you that? And Because he shares with his bride, his betrothed, he shares all his friends what he's doing. So make sure you're not just caught up in somebody trying to dramatize something. So he goes on ahead, he ascends on ahead, and it came to pass, not Hoya. Or is that what it was, Hoya? Hey, Haya. It wasn't Haya, it's a different word. But it did come to pass. And don't you love it when it comes to pass? Because everything that God has said will come to pass. Not one thing's going to fall to the ground. Not one thing is going that God has ever spoken is not going to happen exactly the way he said. It's going to come to pass. When they drew near Bethpage, which is fig house or house of unripe figs, I would ask you, are you drawing near to God? Remember, Goshen means drawing near and that's where God had the children of Israel they were in the world but not of the world they were drawing near to God and they knew where they were going to witness but they weren't living in Pharaoh's house 
you know. But when you find the fruit and you see the person of, of Lot, he was living in the world. And he lost all of his fruit. Okay? And I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but you guys are Bible students. Right? And so you want to be very careful that we are in the world, but we're not of the world. The world does not dictate what we're doing. We have been sent by God on a mission as ambassadors to share Jesus. Not any other fight. There's no other fight going on. There's no other battle going on. There's no other thing going on. There's no other ministry going on other than to share Christ and Christ crucified for sinners. That's it. That's it. But so many people want to pollute with their content what we should be doing. But what we should be doing is, one, believing in Jesus, two, walking by faith, spending time with him, and allowing him to grow us up, teach us our gifts, talents, and abilities, and lead us into his mission field to share Jesus, to share salvation with other people. And people should see that fruit in our lives because that's what gives you a voice. And it should, you should not look and go, well, I can't speak right now because... And I shouldn't say that because they're my... No, no, no. When Jesus tells you to speak and he sends you, you just go and obey. He'll take care of the rest. And that's what you're going to see here in this text is they just go and obey. They didn't ask any questions. They just heard the master's voice and they went and did it and everything they, that happened, they found it just like he said. Because he can't lie. He's God. And he already knows everything. You can trust him. So he drew near, Jesus drew near to Bethpage, big house, house of unripe figs. I don't know what it means. It's not ripe yet, though. Doesn't have, it's not ready yet to be plucked. And Bethany, which means date house, house of dates, or house of misery. Remember we were there with Mary and Martha and Lazarus in Bethany? Remember that? It's house of misery. And Mary means their rebellion. Martha means she was rebellious. Lazarus means one whom God helps in the house of misery. At the mountain called Olivet. And that's the word for olive or olive tree or tree or just the fruit or the berry. It can mean just the berry, actually. Uh, probably where he did the Olivet Discourse, I would assume. That when he, excuse me, at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples, two of his learners. We're not told which two, but we are told that he sent them. And that's the way he would always send them, out by twos. You need somebody to help you. Don't be a lone wolf, McQuaid. You need to have somebody with you. Don't be a lone wolf, because the devil wants to isolate you and then decimate you. And you need somebody to keep you accountable. You need to be getting counsel and counseling people with the Word of God. Don't think that you can just go places by yourself. Two of his disciples or his learners, his pupils, and he said this in verse 30, saying, go. Oh, wait a minute. See, because I wanted to kind of parallel this to Matthew 28, 18 through 20, because he told us to go. So he's telling them to go right now into the village, the hamlet, uh, the little town opposite you. Now, if you was reading this, if you was reading this in the the King James, it actually instead of saying opposite, you know what it says? It says over against you, which is interesting to me because it doesn't sound like opposite to me, but over against or directly opposite is what it means, but over against you. This is a language that we don't fully understand the way they would talk, the way they would speak, but they were so much smarter than us. We've really been dumbed down with the things that we've been learning. So go into the village opposite you, where as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat, Loose it and bring it here. Now listen, these are pretty definite instructions and pretty definite reason. And why is he telling us everything that's here? I always think this, and I want to get to it, but God shares things with us that oftentimes you don't even know why he shared them with you. But you don't have to know. You just need to go do what he says. You're going to find them the way that he said. It's always going to be the way. You don't have to understand them. 
But I find it interesting that it's a colt. Um, it's never been ridden on, and he tells us that specifically. Now, he was born in a womb that was virgin, right? That's how he come into the world. Then he comes into the city on the 10th and the sun in a triumphal entry on a colt that's never been ridden. And then he dies for us, and he's buried in a tomb that nobody's ever been buried in. These are important things that are given to us on purpose. And then he makes us chase virgins that he can plant his seed in us and birth his nature through us to go to others. So he makes us like Mary, a chaste virgin, and puts his spiritual seed in us, his spirit, and he wants to grow fruit of righteousness out of us, and he wants people to see it, and he wants that fruit to remain, and he wants it to be what people see and say, what is going on with them? They love. They're Christ-like. So there's nothing threatening about a young colt. Listen to me. And when he rides in like that, he's not threatening Rome. He's not threatening anybody but religious people. As he comes in, you're going to see that they're the ones that get mad. You know, in all the texts and you read them, and they're the ones that are saying, silence your disciples. Don't you hear what they're saying? And if you go and read it over in, in, in another text, it says, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And, then, and Hosanna means save now, save now. So the people are claiming him as Messiah as he rides in on this lowly donkey, this colt that's never been written on. So, but he's not threatening the world government because he's not worried about the world government. He's worried about salvation of souls and dying for souls. But they've got us all directed in worrying about world governments. They've got us all directed in looking at things that we don't even need to be looking at. Because we're sent to save souls. We're left here as witnesses. All we're supposed to be doing is professing Christ and showing fruit of Christ's likeness to others. You're going to find this cult. It's, in, it's tied up. It's tied up. They tell them, what did he tell them to do? Loose it. So untie it. Unbind it. And bring it here. So he, why would he tell them that? I mean, couldn't he just say, bring it here? I mean, see how specific the instructions are? I mean, he knew they were going to untie it before they bring it. But why does he say, loose it? See, I mean, God's instructions are so specific. And people get mad at you if you're specific like that. Have you ever noticed that in culture? If you have anybody under you and you're talking to people and you give instruction and you become specific and they just, in their pride, they just get so mad. Like, why would you say loosing? Obviously, I have to loosing. Or I couldn't bring him if he's tied. Went, What's the big deal? Just loose him and bring him. Why are you arguing about it? If it's obvious thing, why is it a contention? What's the contention about? Sorry. I, I just deal with people all day long that can't understand just simple instruction and go do it because we're a rebellious people. And we have to find something to contend with. Notice his disciples. Notice the ones that love him. Notice the ones that wanted somebody to be an authority over them and said, yes, please tell me. They don't have any problem with this. They don't have any argument with this. They don't, you don't see any context whatsoever except they go. That's it. They just go. And when we're under authority, that's what we should do without any rebellion. Look at 31. And if anyone asks you, see, he prepares for other things. He says, oh, if anybody asks you. Now, this is not in the other text, but think about this. He knows what's going to happen, so he gives them more information. He's given them more than they even need to know. If anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. Now I gotta give you a Bible lesson real quick. Listen. Did you see the word it? 
at the end of that line. I don't know what text you have. I have the New King James. And the New King James is at least 10% different than the King James. I'm not a King James only. But in order to make a new Bible, you have to change 10% of it so that you don't violate the copyright on the King James. Are you guys with me yet? Because here in a minute, you're going to see this go down the way that he says. And then the new King James is going to say, because the Lord has needs of him. So we have two different words. One is it and one is him. I, I, I'm telling you before you see it. But if you look back at the King James, both of them are identical. Because the Lord has need of him. And then as they do it, they say, why are you listening? He says, because the Lord has need of him. There's absolutely no change in what God has said because they want to be sure that they're doing the Lord's will. They want to be sure they're speaking what the Lord has said and not something else. But our copyright people don't care. So they keep changing it. And so when you get a, a hundred years down the road and more Bibles, and we keep getting more Bibles every year. But they have to change 10% of what the previous Bible says, the previous manuscripts, in order to even print that Bible. And yet nobody seems to care. In fact, most people in the church keeps adopting the new one and saying it's the better translation, when in fact we know that they changed 10% of it. How can it be the better translation? If every time they make a new Bible, they've changed 10% of what the Lord has said. They've changed 10% of what the Bible says. Now, you might think I'm an alarmist or a weirdo or something. But I'm telling you, when the attack is on the Word of God, and the very thing that the devil said to Eve, did God really say, we need to know what God said. We need to understand that. So I'm always in the King James Version. I'm always looking at it. Believe me, I find issues with it. Because man is the one writing it down and translating it out of the original Greek and the Hebrew. But look how far we've gotten away as we keep coming up with new ones. Just because it's the oldest manuscript found doesn't mean it's the best manuscript. Listen, we do want the ancient past. We do want to know what God said. And the best way to do that, listen to me, is to find out what the Spirit is saying to the church. The Spirit of God that lines up with the Word of God. But you need to stay close to God in a relationship, drawing near to Him. Or you could be listening to a spirit of Antichrist. You could be listening to and watching and following a false rendition of the Bible that actually speaks according to the culture instead of what God is saying. And I'm, I'm serious. I'm looking at some of these new ones that read like today's newspaper. I'm looking at the words they're using, and it's, it's just not good. It's just not good. So be very careful. I think you should stay really close to the King James or the New King James Version. I really think you should. And you can act like, well, that's really hard to read. Really? Well, you're not reading it with your eyes and your intellect. It's the Spirit of God that's teaching you. And so if you're leaving it upon yourself, you're already shipwrecked at the middle of your Christian walk. It's the Spirit of God who teaches. It's the Spirit of God who leads you through the Scripture. It's the Spirit of God that is teaching us how to be people of God. And so it's not about whether I can read it with reading comprehension of the physical level. It's whether I can listen to the voice of God and hear the Word of God and obey and go where I'm sent and find things the way that God said they were going to be. Or am I going there and then finding them differently and staying anyway? Or do I go there and say, let's change this when God has already told us what it's supposed to be? And that's what we do. We make the church feel comfortable to us. We make the word feel palatable to us. We make things seem like they should fit so that our fish feel, flesh feels comfortable. But we're supposed to be walking by faith. And we're behind enemy lines. We should know when we go to the world, we're walking into a battleground, not a playground. We should understand that if they hated our, our Lord and Savior, they're going to hate us. And believe me, people don't like some of the stuff that I'm saying right now. Because they're stuck in their ruts and building their own church and their own kingdom. And God says, I, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. He's not asking us to build a church. 
He's asking us to be the church that would surrender and be led by him and go where we're sent and not have our tent pegs in so deep that we go, ah, that couldn't have been God telling me to go there. Couldn't have been God because he wouldn't have sent me to the, the, to the pygmies to preach. You know, or, or he wouldn't have sent me to nowhere land, to the wilderness by myself. Look where he put John the Baptist, the forerunner to him, his cousin, by himself in the wilderness eating locusts and wild honey. In today's vernacular, he would be a nutcase. Think about it. Even to, even to today's church, not just to today's world, Today's church would treat him like a nutcase because he's not one of them. He didn't go to their schools. He's not reading their books. He's not teaching their way. He's not doing what they say. So he has to be the odd man out because we know what we're doing. But think about who's teaching these people. Is it the Spirit of God? Are they spending time with God? Or are they spending time in their conferences learning how to build church? Learning how to win and influence people. Learning how to, to, to raise money. Learning how to take all kinds of different uh, uh, systems to build things. Or are they trusting the work of the Holy Spirit to save souls? Because it's not about the buildings. It's about the people. So we have to be careful that we don't take every physical, every business principle and everything else and build church with it because it's not God's church when we do. It's unfruitful works of darkness. We need to really wake up in the church today and understand that it's really got nothing to do with buildings. And you can epigenosco, you can tell a tree by its fruit. How crazy would a person be if you walked up to an apple tree and you go, man, look at them peaches. How long would you talk to that person? I mean, how, what would you say to them if, some, if somebody was looking at apples and they were calling them peaches. So you can tell a tree by its fruit. It's an obvious apple tree. And yet look across our culture everywhere we look. And we're calling people Christians that have nothing in their life about Christ. All because one day they went forward at an altar and said a prayer. But there's no fruit whatsoever. There's not even a spiritual inkling. They don't even know the first thing about the word of God. I believe. I'm not being mean here, people. I'm saying Jesus already warned us not to be deceived. He already told us you can tell a tree by its fruit. He's already given us clear instruction in how not to be deceived. And he said, don't get your eyes on the signs and the wonders. Don't get your eyes on the wars and rumors of wars. Don't get your eyes on the birth pains because all these things have to happen. What he says is you don't be deceived. And the greatest way not to be deceived is to hear his voice and follow him. Go where he sends you and you will find the evidence that he sent you there because it's always exactly the way he says. And that's why I want to bring this verse out here. And these boys did that because they knew he was the Messiah. They were trusting him. I would, I, listen, I would say Judas wasn't one of the two. Just, just guessing. And so here they go, right? <clears throat> and, and, and I say, change your text if you have the King James, because he said, because the Lord has need of him. That's just what I would say. 32, so those who were sent went their way and found him just as he had said to them, we're going to come back to that. I want to talk a little bit longer about it. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to him, said to them, why are you loosing the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of him. Now notice that's what my point was, is that there's two different words going on. In the King James, the Lord told them, say the Lord has need of him. And in the King James, they said, because the Lord has need of him. And I think it's very important to hear instruction and follow it and repeat it. That's all we're called to do, right? Empty vessels that the Holy Spirit puts his word in us and we repeat his word to others. And that's a, it's an important word. I was talking about it today, the word echo. The word echo means what you're possessed by. 
what has you, what holds you. And so if I'm going to repeat anything, I don't want to repeat what other people are saying. I want to repeat what God has said to me. Don't you want to be, if you're going to be an echo, don't you want to echo what Christ said and not what some person said? Not somebody's book that they wrote? If you're going to echo something, quote something, be a voice for Christ. And they said, the Lord has need of him, verse 35. Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. Now, this is what we commonly call the triumphal entry. They put palm branches down. They sing, Hosanna, Hosanna. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Um, don't need them anymore if you're being clothed in Christ. Then as he was now drawing near, and it was probably their outer cloaks. Then as he was drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Listen, are you going to keep quiet and let stones cry out? Are the stones going to take your place? Or are you going to speak up about the gospel? I'm not going to keep going with that. I want to go back to verse 32, our scripture memory verse. Um... See, the text gets so good that I, I have to stop. Um, the stones would cry out, of course. Well, let's just do a, a bit, and then we'll go back to 132. So... Let's read the rest of it. I'm sorry. Verse 41. I can't stop. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known even you, especially in your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. Speaking to the entire city. Speaking to the Jewish nation. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. Of course, uh, he's speaking to the Pharisees, and he's speaking to the Jewish nation, and he's speaking about him, and he's, re he's telling them the prophecy of when uh, the, the entire city is going to be torn down. The temple is going to be torn down. And it could be some illusion because uh, Peter later says, we are the living stones, right? Being chipped away out. God's building a holy house. We are now the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in us, right? And so he's building the new church. He's building out of us living stones, uh, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And we are supposed to cry out together one voice, one another, together. And people are supposed to see the, our love for one another and know uh, that we are his disciples. So, um, again, allow the Holy Spirit to speak through you. Verse uh, 32, I want to go back to 1932. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. Now think about this just for a minute, and we'll do it a couple ways. Uh, if they went their way, how would they have found it to be like he said? So what you have already inside of that is, is that his way became their way. They were following his instruction. It wasn't their way as in possession. They went their way, and they went and did what he said. Notice, because if it's your way, you would have never even showed up to where the cult was at. If you were going your way, you wouldn't be following what God told you to do. They went their way, meaning they went forward to obey him. So if you literally, if he makes a triumphal entry in your life, 
that his way becomes your way. His instruction is easy to follow. It's not burdensome. There's not a problem with it. But, but it literally, because they believed in him, they went his way. But he allows it to be called their way. Isn't that amazing? It's their way now. But, you know, if you trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, he will make your way straight. He will make your path straight. Where, straight to where? Straight to his throne room. Straight to where he's seated at. They were sent. Apostello. Apostello. It means set apart, to send out, to send forth. One sent forth. And, and really the word it means to order one to go to a place appointed. Order one. I mean, I mean that sounds like, well, yeah, that's what it is. They told him to go get the cone there, wasn't it? But you see, he knew it was all there because listening to the Holy Spirit, he knew what he was doing. It, but it can also mean to send away and set at liberty because they have a choice to make when you hear the instruction of God, when you hear the voice of God, when God tells you to do something, you have a choice. You can choose to say no or you can choose to go and follow. You're set at liberty to do what you want. But when you make his way your way, you're going to go follow his instructions. He has plans for us that are way better than our plans. Listen, our plans are going to end in death. There's a way that seems right in a man's heart, and its way ends in death. But when we listen to what he's doing, he's the light that's leading us out of this evil world. He's the light of the world. He's the one that's leading us out. Are you listening for his voice? I wanted to look at a few verses here. Let's start with um, first usage is Matthew 2.16 for scent. Let's start with that because it's an evil scent, Matthew 2.16. Um, it's, it's to really, I want you to see what spirits we're dealing with is what I want you to see out of this text. In Matthew 2.16, it's right after Jesus is born. Listen, I just want you to see that if you're not listening to his voice, that there's another spirit out there that wants to kill you. And he's, he's, he's ruthless. And he doesn't care how many people he kills. He doesn't care if he vaccinates everybody and they all die because he wants to kill them all. There he's back with that vaccine again. I say it and I don't care. Listen, 2.16. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked. I know the word's deceived. It's not planeo. It's the word mocked. That's the way he felt was mocked. He's, he's, he's a, the, the ruler of the land. He gave him instruction to come back to him and, and let him know where the child was so that he could go worship also because he was lying. Right? There's a lot of people that tell you they want to worship the Lord and really they just want power. They just want authority over you. They just want to be there. They really are not worshiping the Lord. Worshiping the Lord means to bow down. Proskuneo. On your face. Putting him first. Like a dog licking the hand. As Caleb was in the back when they brought the fruit out of the promised land. Joshua was in the front. The fruit was in between them. And he was in the very back. Humbly helping carry that cross out of the promised land. So that people could see the witness. And none of the people believed the fruit. None of the people believed the stick. None of the people believed what they were doing. And they listened to the ten liars. And that's what's getting ready to be set up is the ten kingdoms. And people are going to believe that spirit, this new religion that has a form of godliness with, and denies the power thereof instead of hearing the voice of God and boldly walking around with fruit and believing Anyway, Herod, when he seen that he was mocked by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in the house of bread in all the districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. So Jesus is in his terrible twos? No, he never had them. But he's almost two right now. 
Uh, he was always uh, obedient, underneath the leading of the Holy Spirit, obeying his parents. I mean, we even had a total different culture. When you have the, the patriarch as the father, the whole culture is different. But when you have a culture where we have a matriarch leading, you have a culture where nobody's the leader, when you have a culture where there's lawlessness, children don't obey much. But you have to have the father leading the home with love and with discipline. There's got to be both involved. So the culture wants to take that out so he can keep killing children. This is what the Antichrist wants to do is keep killing children. And he's not doing it brutally like this would happen. The weak weeping of Ephraim, which was prophesied. But he does it by destroying how they're raised. He does it by taking God out of the school. And you know, I don't know if you guys know that evil is the absence of God. So if you take God out of school, you have nothing but evil indoctrination stations. You can't have anything different. I don't care what else you do. If you take God out of it, now you have nothing left but the other. And that's the only other road is evil. That doesn't mean that every person working in a school is evil. It means they're deceived and being deceived. It means that there's a spiritual thing going on that they don't understand. And it's going on everywhere in the world. And when God gives you and me eyes to see it and understanding to believe it and then go out to be a witness about it, then we will go and we'll go where we're sent and we'll find things exactly the way that he told us they were going to be. But we show up with the one who's the answer to all of it. Because that's all we're here for is to save souls. And we have to declare that. And they shouldn't like us if we do. Because they don't want to hear that their works are evil. They don't want to hear that their deeds are from the devil. They don't want to believe that because only the Spirit can open eyes of that. But there are going to be those that the Spirit is working on and will draw them out. And they'll be ones drawn out just like us. So Herod killed all these children, two and below, according to the date of what they had figured out because of the wise men. That's the first usage of sent. But then it was also used in 1016 of Matthew because Jesus was sent. We'll get to that in a minute. 1016 is us being sent. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. That's crazy, isn't it? That's what I'm trying to show you. Is there, there's, there's a spirit that, want, that would kill all the babies, two and under. There's a spirit that wants to kill all of God's children. Not just kill the Christ child, but anybody that would believe and profess Christ. We've seen it later in the book of John. They're going to kick him out of the synagogue. Anybody that professed that Jesus was the Messiah. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Why would you do that to us? Because I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm with you. Just trust me by faith. Therefore, be wise. This is using your intellect. But it's using wisdom of God. The word of God. The wisdom. It's using Christ. He's with you. Be wise as serpents. Interesting way to say it. Because he's subtle, right? And harmless as doves. Doves is mentioning the Holy Spirit course where do they feed from they stay low on the ground and that's what you need to do to grow you need, if you're a seed you want to stay on the ground uh, but but the word harmless listen what it means it does mean innocent it does mean pure it means free from guile or evil but listen it means unmixed he's sending us but he doesn't want us to go mix with the world isn't that the way the children were in Goshen and then they have Pharaoh? Isn't that the way Abraham was and Lot? See, Abraham was outside looking down with God, having a conversation with God, looking at the world, seeing what was going on, and Abraham still was pleading with God, Hey, God, the righteous judge of all heaven and earth, you're not going to kill them all if there's 50 righteous, will you? See the intercession, see the prayer, see the, the, see the relationship going on. See, because we know our loved ones are out there. Some of our loved ones are still in the world. 
We don't want God to judge yet. I mean, I'd like, come quickly, Lord Jesus, let's go home. But there's people I want to get saved. So we endure so that they can be saved. The same way Jesus despised the shame, but endured the cross and is now set down at the right hand of the Father. But he was sent. He was appointed for this. For this point, for this, I came. He didn't go, oh, wow, I didn't sign up for this. No, he says, for this purpose, I came. And for this purpose, God has sent us. And if we will just go, we will find that he's went before us. We'll find that everything he has said, we'll find it just like he said to us. Look at the detail. Look at the loosening. Look at the, the people are going to be in bondage. Everything that's going on there is the same type of a text. But if we go and we loose them and we obey, then they can come with Christ on their back. They can bring Christ to others. Where was we at? The next one is, uh, yeah, let's look at Matthew 10, 40. Same chapter, a few pages ahead. Now, there's, there's literally tons of them we could go to. I don't want to go to all of them. I'm trying to paint a little theme here. 10, 40, because uh, when you are sent and you do go, he says, he who receives you receives me. Remember, you're going as an ambassador. And they wouldn't even listen to me. Well, you, you weren't supposed to be there. Holy Spirit was supposed to be talking. They were rejecting Jesus, not you. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. There's the sent. So now we know Jesus was apostello. He was sent with a mission, and he fulfilled it perfectly. He died on a cross. He rose again on the third day. He was one that was sent the same way. And because he was sent, he knows how to send us. That's what Matthew 28, 18 is all about. Because after he rose, he said, all power has been given to me. And then he sends us the same way the Father sent him. The same thing. So now we know, want to know, well, he knew what he was pointed to do. He knew what he was called to do. He knew he was the Messiah. He knew he was the Lamb of God. He knew he was going to die for the sins of the world. He knew his time and his calling, but they didn't know it. And he cried over them not knowing it. Do you know your time? Do you know your calling? Do you know your identity? Do you know your gifts and talents and ability? Listen, a lot of times I'll tell you that I'm a pastor and I'm a talent scout and I'm supposed to help you. But I want the Holy Spirit to help you. You know how easy it is to stir up dirt and make mud? Get some dirt and water. Pour some water on it. But you know how hard it is to be still and listen to the Holy Spirit. That's some good. That's some good water right there. And He wants to fill your empty vessel, and He wants to lead you. I am. I am very nonchalant about telling people what they're supposed to be doing. I won't even ask you to sweep the floor. I'm just not going to. I. I, I mean, I have, but I tried not to at all, because then you're working for me. I want you to, to have a calling and want you to work for God because it needs to be done, not because the pastor asked to do it. If you've been sent, then there's lots of work to do. But I'm not, I'm not the one saying, take my yoke. No, you need to take Jesus' yoke. His burden is easy. I'll put some pressure on you. I'll load you up to the gills. Man, well, that's what they do. You get one person with a hat on volunteering, and man, he'll do it. He'll do anything. And you just start calling them all the time. Until they burn out and they're gone, you go, where'd they go? Who's the next guy I want to help? That's what man does. Man, he works hard. I bet somebody will offer him more money at the other company. Anyway. So 1040, but the point was is that the Father is the one that actually sent Jesus. And then Jesus sends us. He's just following the example. And we're supposed to follow the example. Let's look at, um, do I have one more? And then we'll close. Let's see. 
Matthew 20, verse 2. What is that about? Oh, my goodness. It's a good one. I already know what it is. Parable of the vineyard. <coughs> 20 and 2. He sent the workers into his vineyard. That's what he's doing. It's his garden. It's his vineyard. We labor for him. Look. Well, verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like, like unto a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. He has a vineyard? Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius, which is a day's wage, he sent, there's that word again, apostello, them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give to you. So they went, and again he went out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right you will receive. So when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first, Huh? Not the first to the last? The last shall be first. And when those came who were hired about the eleventh hour, time's getting short, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more and that they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These men have worked only one hour and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day? But he answered one of them and said, Friend? Notice he says, Friend. He doesn't call us servants anymore. Remember Sunday's message? John 15. I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. Is your way still going where you sent? Go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first and the first shall be last. For many are called, but few chosen. And you get to teach this pretty soon, Michael. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's amazing. So, you know, <clears throat> listen, we've been sent, but is, are we going anywhere? Because faith is only growing when we go and find things just as he said to them. That's when their faith grows. When you go and you go, wow, how did he know that? How did he know when I got there? Because he's went before you. And you're practicing what you're called to do. You're learning. You're growing. So many people will listen to a sermon. So many people will read their Bible, and they never go anywhere. They never, ever go anywhere to walk this out. But we're supposed to be going out into his vineyard, out into his field. And the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And we need to wake up and go. And, and you know, I think we make it too complicated. I mean, every day I go out into his vineyard. Every day I go out into his field. I'm not trying to point at me. I'm just saying whoever I meet, I just tell them about Jesus. What are you going to do? Kill me? Yay, I get to go to heaven. I mean, I'm serious. I'm being a little bit facetious, but what are they going to do? Fire you? God owns everything. He owns everything. Listen to me. That's all we're here for. And what an amazing thing when you can actually spend time with God, Him speak to you, and then you go out and find everything to be just as He has said to you. I'm not trying to do the scripture. I can't get it. It's too tongue-tied. I just know that God's never a liar. He's always faithful, and He just wants us to be faithful. In fact, He put His Spirit in us so we can learn to be faithful. 
Because there's nothing in us that would ever be faithful to God except for His Spirit. There's nothing in us that would ever want to go and be sent or nevertheless to rejoice. But think about it. You get to have joy. You get to rejoice when they respond and all you are is a vessel that's privileged to go and be an ambassador. And it's really all God's work. It's God's field. It's God's kingdom. That's pretty amazing, really. All we got to do is show up. All we got to do is show up. I remember, and I tell this all the time, and people go, probably go, oh my goodness, there he goes again. But I remember literally just getting saved. And for whatever reason, my pastor calls me and said, Rick McFall's sister's landlord just had a heart attack. Go pray with him. And I'm like, me? I said, where's Jamie at? Because Jamie had gotten saved before me. So he said, I didn't call Jamie. I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm trying to watch football. <laughs> it was, it was Sunday. I was trying to watch football. And uh, I hadn't been called out yet. But this was the calling. I was being called and being asked to be faithful. And I'm like, I'm freaking out. Like, I never prayed with nobody before. I said, all right, okay, what's the names? I wrote them down, and I got up and went to the hospital. And I got there and didn't even have to pray because his sister was there praying circles around the whole place and had the whole place covered. And, and I mean, I really didn't have to do anything. But I showed up and got blessed. I showed up and learned so much of how God was already way before me. And all I had to do was be privileged to show up and to go and to grow. And I'm just telling you, that's the problem. Is that everybody blames Peter for stepping out of the boat and sinking. They talk about him sinking. But he stepped out of the boat. He obeyed the word of God. I mean, who does that? You can't walk on water. Peter, listen. If it's you, Lord, bid me to come to you. And he said, come. And he stepped out on the water. Are you kidding me? It doesn't even make any intellectual sense, does it? Because he was listening to Jesus. It's not about who we are. It's about who he is. And if they receive us, they will receive him. And if they receive him, they've received the Father who sent him. And that's amazing to see. But it's really about us growing. And you're never going to find it to be what God said in your faith to grow unless you go. Unless you go. And when you do, you're going to be not just unloosening yourself, but you're going to be unloosening others. So that they can bring Jesus to people. It'll be a triumphal entry in your life. You'll be set free. But people just sit on their couches and go, I'm watching football. The soap opera's on. I'm too busy. I bought a piece of land and I got to go out and work it first and see what it's like. I got a new cow and I haven't tested it. <clears throat> we make excuse after excuse after excuse instead of really truly believing that he called us out of darkness. Oh, what's next week's memory verse? Anybody know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> We're going to stay in Luke. Luke is a doctor. He's real analytical. I like it how in depth he goes with stuff. What was it, Luke? Uh, Luke, uh, Luke, twenty, one, thirty-six. Listen, there's a lot of deception going on. There's a lot of things going on. There's going to be persecution coming up, and if we go and obey and share the gospel. Um, Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape these things which will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. It's got a little bit of length to it. Have you ever prayed that you'd be counted worthy to escape? We've been given command to pray that we'd be counted worthy to escape these things. Isn't that interesting? Have you ever prayed that, Lord? To the Lord? We're going to talk about it next week. So, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for sending us, Lord. 
Lord, it's not because of who we are or what we, it's because of who you are. That you send us as ambassadors. Just as your father sent you and gave you as a gift, now you send us as a gift to those that are lost and tottering for the slaughter. Thank you, Lord, for giving us away, for sending us as sheep in the midst of wolves. Thank you, Lord. Help us not to mix in, but to stay focused upon what you've sent us to do. And we know, Lord, that we'll find all things just as you said they were. Lord, we pray for salvation of souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Lord bless you.